Welcome to episode 89 of Valfish to Guard American, an American-based English language Valfish to Guard fan podcast reviews are unofficial, uninformed, usually unprepared. I'm Travis, your host. You can reach me at Hazelfish. Joining me as always, I guess, Matt, you're a co-host now. Why do I take sole ownership of this? You own half of this disaster. What do you think of that? I'm not sure I want to own half of this disaster. <laughs> You can credit or blame him at Cellracer on Twitter. You can reach us on Twitter at Valfi Americana. Our website is valfishugardamericana.com. As everybody who's listening to this knows, we have survived. As the song goes, I will survive. We, in fact, did survive. This is going to be, Matt, a no negativity zone uh, for this episode, which is probably why it'll be one of our shortest episodes ever. <laughs> because as Stuart supporters, we struggle to live in that world. Uh, how does it make you feel? We survived. We're only going to talk about the positive <laughs> stuff today. I mean, can you handle that? I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's nice to not have the the blade of relegation hanging over our heads right now. I feel just relieved that we're out from under that and can start thinking about in a few days, not now, but in a few days, we can start thinking about what comes next. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's talk about what's happening now. All right, first off, Matt, let's go to part one. We got some shout outs here. So Val F. Bay Bango uh, is the last one. The great Derek Ray got 13 out of 25 of the squares correct. We just needed one more. He needed to mention Pellegrino or Sven. Matt, he mentioned last uh, a few tweets ago that he actually listened to our episode last time. I mean, do you think after that he'll ever listen again or is that a one and done? <laughs> I imagine a, a professional like Derek Ray listening to this has got to be like watching uh, like Pablo Picasso watching a preschooler finger paint. Um, <laughs> Derek, if you're listening, appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we had nothing but nice things to say, but we would only ever have nice things to say about Derek Ray. Mm -hmm. It was the absolute highlight of my day when I saw the tweet that he listened. Just mm -hmm. blew my mind and very excited that somebody we think so highly of uh tolerates our nonsense yeah it's pronounced vfb <laughs> that's that's for you neverland fw <laughs> we can't pronounce v's f's or w's in german so we have that so derek remember that matt the pod prediction is over i was able to eke out the victory at 135 wins to 132 losses you were almost at 500 you finished with 133 wins to 134 losses uh congratulations on you you know you came back at the end but i'm mostly saying this moment so you can congratulate me well done travis in the event that we ever make that meetup in toledo happen uh beers are on me <laughs> all right ohio beers nobody's a winner in that case <laughs> <laughs> uh, apologies we mentioned this last episode that we might have to start a new patreon account where we apologize to people uh we implied last week that the valpe frauen had a chance to win the title in the Oberliga. Turns out we miscounted how many matches they had left. They are five points behind with only one to go. So sadly, they're going to finish second or third no matter what. They're playing at home versus TSV Neckarau, which is in Mannheim, which is right next to Heidelberg, which is right next to a city called Brühl, which reminds me of the cool phrase all the students in class are saying now, which is bro. Boys say it, girls say it. They all call each other bro. Matt, what's your favorite kind of offhand term to call somebody i like calling my daughters dude because they get mad and they say dudes are boys and they say no dude is a non-gendered term 
<laughs> and then they look at me confused and walk away. Man, I can't wait for Uncle Travis to come up there and what's up, bro, dude? <laughs> <laughs> The, the OFC man of the match for the fourth time this season. And the, the fourth time since match day 25, he really came on strong. Definitely will be in the running for MVP for the season with Enzo Milo. Fourth time, two goals in the match. It's hard to vote against him. Matt, who was your man of the match for this all-important season-clinching victory? Hard to argue against Enzo Milo, but I did go with Seru Jirasi because that touch pass he had, Mm. to Mio on Enzo's first goal was just absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that goal that was ruled out rightly, I guess, by VAR. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe wrongly. All right. We'll get into that later. That was just a thing of beauty. Had that gone in. I actually went with the crowd on this one and voted for Enzo. He got over 70% of the vote. So congratulations, Enzo, for that one. Uh, the OFC level of concern poll from last week, it turns out that the 50% who were nervous, we should be fine, but this is about if they were the right ones on this one. Because honestly, Matt, one of the last shout outs here is to us. I'm flipping exhausted. You and I talked off the air how we weren't even sure if we were going to do this podcast. I'm sure some people who are listening, Derek, we hear you. are like, guys, why didn't you just follow through on that gut feeling there? Uh, I'm physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted a lot of it has to do with the match and uh, just the tension and the nerves that went through that. Matt, uh, give a little pat you know, on the back to yourself there. Uh, how are you feeling a day, you know, 24 plus hours removed from, from what was a really just stressful, <laughs> stressful, especially that first 45. So we made it. We all made it through. We're here. Good job us. It felt like this was a season that just was emotionally draining from the get-go we had all the the turmoil around Matarazzo and Sven and the upheaval around the holidays and just the entire first half of the season we were talking about how it was bad luck thing after bad luck thing after bad luck thing and just watching all of these unfortunate events pile up against this team just it it took a toll on the fan base, I think, and clearly on the players and on Matarazzo as well. Mm-hmm. And then the mess that was Bruno in the middle of the season, followed by the the joy that was Honus coming in and really doing a phenomenal job of getting us out of the basement, but something that we couldn't really appreciate at the time because the sort of relegations hanging over our heads. So I, I think it's just, it's been a lot this year. And that's after last year, which was a lot <laughs> with a last second escape from Legendo. It's just been two years of you know, butt clenching, basically watching <laughs> this team. And I think we're all just like collective sigh of relief right now. And like, we should allow ourselves to become an emotional puddle for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then we can start, yelling at the journalists online who are already writing angry things about how the team can't put it together for next season. <laughs> I know. I, um, I'm i starting to write this book. It's called A Tale of Two Something. But I start off with, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. I don't know if you've, uh, you probably never heard that phrase before. but No, I'm not really into literature. Okay, good, good. I won't get sued by you then. But this, there were so many great things that happened with the OFC, with the team coming to Texas, with getting to meet some of the players, with us being surviving and there was a lot of rough times you know from everybody getting fired to the labadia time to having to go through the relegation uh so it's just 
like you said, physically, mentally, emotionally exhausting, but it's so awesome that we finally came out on the other side of this. We do want to take a moment to throw some uh, rest in pieces, so to speak, out to the Hamburg fans. I, I do want to say how flipping loud that place was. Uh, we said goodbye to Schalke. We said goodbye to her to Berlin the last couple of weeks. We're saying goodbye to Hamburg. Uh, that place was incredibly loud. And I thought that Derek Ray and Stefan Freund said it perfectly that usually it's the Stuttgart supporters that you hear no matter where they're at. They were drowned out that first 45 minutes. Uh, it stinks that a club like them are going to be in the second division. And there's going to be some clubs up in the first division that, you know, names who will not be mentioned. You're like, eh. Uh, any final thoughts uh, to Hamburg and uh, well wishes maybe for next season for those guys? Yeah, you really, really have to feel for the Hamburg fans after this is their what third or fourth year in a row of almost getting promoted. And then the way these, the end of the season broke down for them, where they thought they were in automatic promotion, they had stormed the field, they were celebrating. And then to find out from the PA announcer that, well, actually, <laughs> you guys just got bumped back to the relegation oh, playoffs man. due to extra time goals. Like that's got to be crushing. And then to come and get beat three nil in Stuttgart and then go home and get that goal up and think maybe there's an opportunity right. to just get smacked around for the last 45 minutes of the game. That's like, Whoa, talk about brutal as, as exhausted as we are right now, how have those guys got to be feeling. Mm -hmm. um so any hamburg fans who happen to be listening like hats off to you sorry about your luck that's just oof. yeah, yeah. As, a, as a club that hasn't had a lot of luck in the last few years we definitely know we feel what you're going through and uh wish you guys the best coming up next year because this vital league next year is going to be oh man that's going to be a grinder for a lot of different teams Final shout-outs here, Matt. Uh, any final thoughts? Or we talked last episode, if we did pull this out, was there any celebratory beverage, whiskey, grappa, anything you were going to try to uh, to get? And if so, did you get it? I'm having coffee right now, so I can make it in this recording <laughs> and the hour of work I need to do afterwards. Uh, I hope this weekend to, to have a nice glass of scotch and sit out on my deck and kind of take it all in. Mm-hmm. All right. I went to the liquor store and I asked for grappa and the guy told me that they won't ship it to Ohio. So Pellegrino, you're out there. See if you can, uh, can help me out a little bit because I'm sticking with whiskey today. So I did find a 93 proof uh, whiskey. I went to the store and I asked the proprietor, do you have anything with 93 in it? And he looked at me very odd. Like, why do you need 93? I was like, it's, it's a thing. So anyway, found it there. You know what? Speaking of things, that's a terrible segue, but why don't we move into why don't we move into the match here? <laughs> All right, Matt. So we got part two. We've got the match. You and I were talking about how we're not exactly sure how we're gonna break this down, but let's start with exactly what we didn't want to have happen happened the first four minutes Hamburg comes out on fire they scored the goal that really made this an entertaining match for the neutral the first 45 minutes we were both super optimistic going into this one optimistic as the week went on we were optimistic leading up to the match and then I don't know how were you feeling from about the four minute mark on <laughs> I honestly had a little bit of not again 
going on and was just waiting for the wheels to come off and was really impressed with how the guys responded after that early goal because that that would have been a classic Stuttgart moment of weird goal gets scored against you and complete self-destruction. I thought Stefan Freud said it perfectly, actually, that in terms of who had the pressure on, said Hamburg was hoping for a miracle, whereas Stuttgart actually might have had more pressure on them. And at first you're like, what are you talking about? And I thought he said it really well. I was like, if they weren't able to hold that lead, they would be the laughing stock of the entire nation because that is just such a, a monumental lead to have there. And I thought you could almost see that in the first half. It turned out Walter was right. Um, their hope was that the home crowd would carry them forward. And that first 45 minutes, they were amazing. And it looked like from the Stuttgart perspective, it almost looked like that Schalke match a while back where we mentioned it last week. We didn't seem to expect what they were going to bring. And it was all Hamburg all the time, the first 20 minutes in particular. Speaking of Tim Walter, I know the guy gets a lot of shade and a lot of people think he's crazy. And I, I do too. I mean, he's, he's bonkers. His facial expressions are priceless, just priceless. I, I do have to disagree with you a bit. I do think he's a good coach. I think his idea of football doesn't fit Bundesliga to talent. And I think Hamburg had chances when the match was happening, but they just, you and I have seen enough as Vital League matches to know those guys can't finish at that level. They just, they, the little things they can't do right. So I don't think he's a terrible coach. I think he's got a lot of bad luck, but I also think his style doesn't necessarily fit the talent he has. Where I will agree with you is his ability to adapt and to change that it's not, it's Walter ball. That's the way he's going to play possession. I mean, at the end of the game, the possession was almost 70, 30 for Hamburg. Mm -hmm. And it's that pretty much played into after the first 20 minutes in the way we wanted to play. Yeah. My, my big criticism of Walter has always been that he just doesn't adapt. And that's, I, I think as a coach, that's a failure. It's not putting your players in a position to succeed if you don't make adjustments as they they need to be made. So um, I, I would, however, uh, maybe pay a few dollars extra for a picture-in-picture picture of Tim Walter's face <laughs> through an entire match because <laughs> that could be hilarious. If I was a player, I wouldn't want to see that because the uh, just angst that he shows in anything I did wrong, he can't hide it. He simply, he simply can't hide it. I did like that he had the Ted Lasso coach uh, shorts on the sideline, like the original coach of Richmond AFC <laughs> there. I was like, oh, that's a pretty bold, casual look there. I, I, I want to get Valdi Anton's thoughts on this. So after the match, they asked him about the game. And he said, listen, it's it been you know one year, four coaches, two sporting directors. Uh, yeah, we only survived the last game. He said, quote, if you think back, what kind of games you shot, how many setbacks you had. It, also in these two games, it's incredible when you let it sink in at first. And we're extremely satisfied. I know there's some people that are going to take that and they'll be like, listen, how can you be satisfied being in 16th place? Like the Bayern Munich fans would be like, how can you be satisfied being that? Uh, how do you feel about his thoughts about satisfaction after winning on aggregate this one, six to one, but still finishing in 16th place? Well, first, if you put Bayern Munich fans in second, they would be unsatisfied. They're <laughs> unsatisfied with anything less than total decimation of everyone around them. I'm with Anton on this. After everything this team has been through, all the ups and downs they had, all the turmoil, all the obstacles that were put in their way, 
to dig out from dead last in the league to make it to 16th and then not just survive, but survive in convincing fashion. And I think that's one of the big differences between how we just feel exhausted this year and how we were celebrating last year is we won last second on a miracle goal to avoid the relegation playoff. This year we're in the playoff and it was just a systematic grinding down of our opponent and imposing our will and there was no like boom moment it was just a constant sort of slow roll to victory which is kind of nice really (laughs) um but yeah I'm, i'm with anton i'm content with this if we're back here again next year and fighting relegation then okay i'll i'll call him out on that but right now i'm fine with where we are yeah i think you said it it's this is where we are this is what we are it's our first place was 13th place. And I don't think that's a wrong thing. We weren't that many points off of 13th place. And we ended up here. The, I think you said it perfectly as well, is that this year and compared to last year's end is so different. Last year we were at home and we staved off relegation. This year we were on the road and we were in relegation. You just, you didn't have that moment where you could really celebrate as crazy as you could last year. So it is more relief than it is celebration here, but I'm hundred percent with Anton. Listen, the goal is to survive. That, that's the goal, whether it's 16th place or 13th place, that's the goal. And they achieved it. And there's plenty of things to unpack in terms of what went wrong, but that's not why we're here today, right? We're here today to celebrate everybody. Let's take just, like we said, just a few minutes and realize, uh, Matt, you said it perfectly. We all thought towards the end of Labadia's tenure, this was done. We had an episode mm-hmm. entitled Relegation Resignation. I was fully convinced we were done. I don't know about you, but I was getting ready to dump ESPN Plus and start buying Valpe TV because I figured that was our future. Yeah, I, I had gone through all the stages of grief and made peace with the fact that it was probably the end, watching how Bruno orchestrated the team and torpedoed uh what little success we'd had in the first half um yeah i i thought we were done but we we survived and as you said that's that's the goal for where we're at right now survival and stability are the goals and once we have survival and stability and we're not freaking out about getting relegated every year then we can start building towards more success Mm -hmm. but we we're not a championship quality outfit right now and expecting much more than we stayed in the league is unrealistic and two of the guys that really helped us stay in the league were chris furich and sarah jirasi so let's talk about chris for a minute he took a while to get into form but once honus came in it seemed like he flipped the switch and he became more consistent we'd always seen flashes from this guy and maybe it's just because the end of the season he was playing against some clubs who weren't top tier clubs Maybe it was because he was playing against a, a Zweite Liga club and his pace is just too much for them to handle. But Chris Furich really came on at the end of the year where you're like, okay, this is a guy who is a game changer. This is a guy who I thought should be sitting and come on as a super sub. You're like, okay, I see why this guy is starting. And this is a guy that might be a building block you know, for this club going forward. And then Sabre Jirasi, that goal that was called out, it's almost criminal because that was such a gorgeous athletic i mean i don't even i watched it multiple times i'm like is he actually doing that on purpose is that on accident what just happened i still don't understand var i'm pretty sure he was offsides but i don't understand when it was offsides exactly but chris and seiru 
two key players, not just in this match, but towards the end of the season and going forward. How important are these two guys? Any thoughts on those two guys? Jirasi was our savior this season. His ability to finish, which is the number one thing we were missing all season long, um, was a key component to us getting points in the last handful of games. And Furch went from being a guy who buried his head and had one trick. And as soon as he got the ball, he decided which version of that trick he was going to do. <laughs> and the other teams knew it and saw it coming to mostly still doing that, but with his head up. So the defenders weren't quite as sure of what he was going to do. Um, and then sometimes throwing in a really nice pass mm -hmm. or like an extra deke and just surprising us a little bit. So it was really nice. On that Jirasi goal, I think, first of all, it should have stood because it was that cool. <laughs> I think there needs to be a rule implemented where if something is so cool that you're just, everybody in the stadium goes, dang, like you can't call that back. <clears throat> so write it in the rule book. Let's get this done. Second, he was offside like 20 minutes before that goal went in. I... I had the, the ESPN, they showed the replay real quick. And I was like, where was he offside? And yeah. then I was checking on the Discord and people were like, oh, it was, you know, 30, 45, 50 seconds before that happened. And like, his being offside at that point did not affect the play. It, like, I don't know. Apparently, I don't get the offside rule fully. Um, I'll own that. But I think it was stupid and the goal should have counted. Yeah, the thing, even Seven Freund said, he's like, he was surprised that they, they overturned it. Uh, I thought the official made some calls to keep the Hamburg faithful in their seats. Um, after seeing what had happened at the Bielefeld Wiesbaden match on the road where things got really ugly, they had to stop the match for about 10 or 15 minutes because the Bielefeld fans just were out of control. I almost felt like he made a couple decisions to keep everything calm, to keep everything under control. That sort of seemed like, like Seru was offsides, but the Hamburg player – headed the ball back and it headed it back to a Stuttgart player. So I didn't quite understand it, but the Stuttgart players and the coaches didn't really complain. And that's usually what I go on is if the guys don't complain about it, then I, I'm assuming, you know, the call, the call was right. And speaking of a guy that I'm not going to complain about today, because I, I said, we're just focused on the positive here is yeah. I was nervous when Flo was announced as a starter because Fabian was out with a knee injury. Let's give him a little bit of praise. All right. His, his passing is a little concerning, but he had some big saves in that match. He had a big save early on before the first goal. There was nothing he could do about that goal that was scored. That was just a beautiful shot. Yep. Then he had uh, another save around the 40th minute. Well, there was a shot wide at the 40th minute mark. Uh, but then he did have a clear-cut save at the 47th minute mark. And I think that was pretty much the last thing he did the rest of the day. But I do want to give Flo some praise. It's, from everything we've heard, he's off to uh, Freiburg. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. We'll talk about that more next time. But – if he had been our backup, and I think you said this last episode, and he came in and gave the performance that he had provided over these last two matches, we would be buying his jersey, seeing his praise. He would be the Jans Grawl hero of just forever. <laughs> but because he was a starter, because he was benched, because he was one of the higher paid players on the club and kind of represented the idea that um, these guys aren't fulfilling their potential, he's got a lot of criticism, rightfully so. But he really kept us in that game early on and i do if this is his last match with the club that's a way to go out right a win in the relegation playoff a huge save in the 47th minute mark 
I know this is going to give you some pain, but let's give Flo a little praise. What do you say? Flo did not make the worst goaltender gaffe on the field on the day. <laughs> uh, Fernandez did his absolute best early season Florian Muller impression um, oh, and took that honor. But Muller made some phenomenal reaction saves. And like that 47th minute one was just pure reaction. And, you know, we've been saying for a long time, and I've been beating this drum, his reactions are phenomenal. He's got top level physical abilities. It's the mental game that he struggles with. And what we needed from him in this game was some top level reaction saves. And he gave it to us and he kept us in the game when we needed it to. And you're right, heck of a way to go out. That's like, that's a solid ending for that dude. Applause all around for him and good luck in Freiburg next year. Yeah. We wish you well in 32 matches out of the year next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who really got the mentality for this club going is Sebastian Honus though. So the thing that we've been mentioning is at halftime, it just seems like for every match, but that Hertha Berlin match, they've been able to adjust. They've been able to come back out and, come back stronger than they started and we saw it yet again so we're down a goal for the first 20 minutes we were on our heels and the last five minutes we're on our heels it looked not bleak but it looked a little scary as soon as the second half starts matt the game changes we shifted our formation a little bit i think we went more to a four at the back and then we immediately get the goal endo to seru to enzo Everybody's been singing Honus's praise, and we'll be singing his praise more next week. Um, Beryl, you know, came out and just said he, you know, Honus isn't a part of the question for next season. I'm like, okay, that's duh. <laughs> I mean, I guess sometimes we say in teaching, you know, there's there are no dumb questions. Well, I guess, <laughs> well, maybe there might, maybe there might be, but he is the man of the hour in the Bundesliga right now. His record is almost impeccable since he's come over from Stuttgart. He saved a club that was in 18th place. And now we are safe for the next season. People are talking about how he has taken the best attributes of Pellegrino, but has added some tactical aspects to it to strengthen up the defense a little bit, but also to make us a little bit more dangerous going forward. Uh, I guessing we could spend an hour talking about Sebastian Honus and how amazing he's been, but I just, his ability to adjust and to get these guys to come back from setbacks that has just been amazing. So nothing but praise for that guy. Yeah. He's, he's shown a, a good acumen with the players and good understanding of the, the physical capabilities of the guys and where they thrive best. He hasn't had Anton playing right back. Um, <laughs> and he's shown a tactical flexibility which was one of the things that Matarazzo really kind of struggled with and an ability to adjust mid game. Mm. You know, when, when Matarazzo did it, he did really well, but it often took about 20 minutes too long before he started to do it. And we haven't seen that same reluctance to make a change out of Honus. Mm. So it, I, I credit the uh, staying up with uh, his leadership and, um, to endo and the other senior guys in the team just keeping the boys together and keeping a focus on the positive because without that this team could have easily cratered and completely fell apart mm-hmm. um and we didn't so i'm i'm on team honus uh i'm excited to see what he does with an off season of preparation uh with a little bit of time to do a little bit of lineup tinkering and really just a, a full 
you know, couple months of preparation because he came in and it was just first game after what a week and a half of being on the job. Right. Just give the dude some time to do his homework and let's see what happens. And I feel really positive that that's going to be a good outcome for us. You mentioned Endo back there. So let's talk about Endo and Enzo. Somebody mentioned on Twitter, you know, how there's the Legendo phrase. It's now Legenzo phrase, which is also pretty awesome. You have one guy who's incredibly solid in Wataro Endo. You have another guy who's incredibly flashy in Enzo Milo. Let's just talk about, I mean, Milo, he's saying Honus's praise, which makes sense, right? Because Labadee was the guy who wasn't playing him. Honus was the guy that was playing him. Um, both of those guys were not just keys to the season, but keys to this final run here. It's I don't like to get guys' names on the back of my jersey, but now because there's an issue in the Valpy store warehouse, nobody can get names on the back of their jerseys for another couple of weeks. They say they'll fix it by mid-June. Endo is probably one of the guys that is going up there in club legendary status for me. Enzo is probably one of the guys who's going up there and, oh, my, this guy is just going to go in that Kalijic Mangala type of territory of he's always only here for a bit, but when he was here, he was really, <laughs> really good. So let's talk about Endo. Let's talk about Enzo for a minute. Uh, thoughts on those two guys. So Endo is just that pillar in the middle of the field for us that we know what we're going to get. We're always going to get it, and it's always going to be above average good. He's not a spectacular, phenomenal, game-changing player, but he's reliable, he's consistent, and he gives you everything he has every single game. And every now and then, he does come up with something that you're like, oh, holy crap, mm. uh, that was amazing. Um, Milo is just, he's exciting. He'll, like, he might explode on a play <laughs> in a bad way, but he also might explode in a really good way. And like that, that first goal he got, the shot placement really wasn't that great. It was within reach of the keeper and it went off Fernandez's boot and just happened to deflect into the top of the net. So there's a really good op chance that Fernandez has his foot the right way. That's a save. And we all kind of go, uh, mm -hmm. but you know, he's, he's in the right position. He's doing the things that he needs to do. And I think with a little more time, a little bit of maturity, uh, he's putting that, you know, two feet off the ground. So the keeper's got absolutely no chance. And I'm really excited to see how he develops. And I hope he continues to do that at Stuttgart for a couple more years. And then we can get some English club to pay us $30 million for him. And he can go be successful in England and we can buy three or five mediocre players. That'll be great. <laughs> oh, it's so true because that's the Stuttgart way right there. But that he is looking really good. He's also the guy who is going to get a tattoo midweek and he can't play during the weekend because his arms are covering from it. But then he's the guy who's going to score two goals and he's also going to piss off the home supporters by celebrating in front of their curve. So let's talk about that just for a second. So again, we're trying to keep this super positive. But we love Endo. We love Enzo. Endo is the mature guy with multiple kids. Enzo is the kid. It got chippy after the second Enzo goal. And I think probably because the Hamburg players knew it was over at that point. You know, it, they had an uphill battle and it had it turned into a mountain. And Chris and Enzo had celebrated in front of the curves of the Hamburg supporters. And it got really just people were going at it. Borna was going at it. The uh, Hamburg players were going at it. 
the reason why I'm mentioning this is Enzo did apologize afterwards. He said it was emotion. He apologized to Hamburg fans. He didn't mean it. Uh, but the reason why I bring this up is if you watch that video, Dino had been pulled out because he was injured prior to halftime. And Dan Axel came in to replace him. So as everybody's going at it, you can see one of the Hamburg players go after Borna Sosa. You see this huge human go out there in regular shoes and civilian clothes, basically, and bear hug, very friendly, this Hamburg player. And I didn't know who it was at first. I thought it was an assistant coach. And the Hamburg player immediately calms down. And this guy, turns out to be Dino, is just hugging him and hugging him and whispers in his ear something. I want to say, like, listen, just calm down as opposed to, you know, anything violent or anything like that. And then I looked at it. I went back and forth a number of times. It was Dino. Dino was out there being the peacekeeper. And as soon as Dino hugged this dude, the guy was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> and kind of calmed down a bit. So I understand why the Hamburg players were upset. I, too, would have been upset. But the reason I'm bringing this up is that when Chris and Enzo were getting pushed and shoved around, Ada Karazor, Anton, Borna, Dino, who was on the bench at that time, they all came out there to get their guys backs. And that's something that you and I have been preaching all season long, no matter who the coach is, no matter who the sporting director is, no matter what Alex is saying up top, these guys play for each other, right? The fact that Sasa Kalajic was in the stadium uh, two weeks ago says everything I need to know you know, about these guys. Uh, Sven Mislintat had an Instagram post uh, basically congratulating yet again in a subtle way the guys for, for surviving. This may not be the greatest team in the world, but they are that. I mean, they're a team. And that scuffle and the way they broke it up showed that to me. So that was my big takeaway with that that big fight. I don't know if you got anything out of that or if I'm overanalyzing it. I didn't love what Enzo did. But like with the tattoo, he's 20 years old. And... I don't know about you, but I was kind of an idiot at 20. <laughs> and I don't know if I would have done the same thing, but I wasn't as brash and talented as Enzo. So hopefully that's something that he learns from. And he seems to have done that already and, and you know, kind of eaten some crow on it. I did. I was popping in and out of the uh, 50 plus donor uh, discord throughout the game. And there were a couple Hamburg fans in there that were none too pleased and, you know, I said to them, yeah, you guys are right. That was dumb. Uh, not great. Uh, he's a child. Somebody will fix this. And, yeah, they seem to chill. I think so. I'm I'm about Dino's size. And I think if I was a smaller human being and somebody my size came up, if somebody who's as much bigger than me as Dino was as that dude came up and grabbed me and gave me a bear hug and said, he's a kid, he didn't mean it, you need to chill out. I think I would immediately just go limp and play dead. Yeah, there's a couple things here. One is um, you may have been an idiot when you're 20, Matt, but now that you're 40-something, I don't think you've changed much. So is that a compliment? <laughs> staying you I'm staying <laughs> youthful. Stay young, my friend. <laughs> the, the second thing is Dino didn't have a great match, right? This is the first match in a while where he looked exposed, and we're not used to seeing that. And he came out, but he still had his buddies back. There's a there's a fantastic video of all the guys celebrating. And Dino is in a towel in his flip-flops. And I showed it to my wife, and I had to steal my phone back from her because, well, it's Dino without a shirt on and all that stuff. It's just they've got each other's backs. They've been a team, you know, forever. Dan Axel, too. Dan Axel came in, and he did exactly what we were talking about. He was brought in to be a sub. 
Dino was banged up, had to come out. Dan Axel goes in after half and looked good. I mean, we've been ripping on Dan Axel all year long. He came in and did exactly what the backup center back is supposed to do. He was steady. He was solid. So give some praise to Dino as a teammate. I'm going to give some praise to Dan Axel as a solid backup. If we're going to give praise to Florian, and we should, we've got to give some praise to Dan Axel. And I forget how young that guy is, too. Yeah, I, I heard Dino, and we sing his praise endlessly, and rightly so. And that actually the big thing that we've been harping him on is the uh, once a game, controller disconnected, what is he thinking? Um, he kind of had one of those, but Mueller bailed him out. So, yeah. like, no harm, no foul. Um, other than that, exactly as you said, he was solid the entire game, gave us, gave us everything we could have asked for. Uh, no complaints. Happy to have him around. I'm hoping that he continues to develop and gets that mental side of the game down a little bit. And in two or three years, we're thrilled that he's our starting center back every single game. Yeah, I think it's something you said a number of episodes ago to where he's had so many injuries that his mind is going faster than his body at this point. And if he can stay yeah. healthy, which has always been his issue, and his body can catch up with his mind, he has all the physical tools in the world. And right now, as a fourth center back backup, I don't think he can do much better. And he came in when Dino was out, and I was scared, right? The two guys I were really scared about was when Florian was starting and when Dan Axel came in, I was like, oh, gosh. And those guys totally. did their job. That's what a backup's job is to do, is to come in and just settle things down, and they both did that very well. And another guy who came in, he didn't get a lot of play in either of these two matches was Silas. He didn't have a great season, but he came in. He showed a little bit of that talent that we all know he has by getting that final goal that put the nail in the Hamburg coffin. It, it was awesome to see Silas get that goal. You and I have said, listen, it, you know this better than I do. Knee injuries are tough to come back from. You've got the physical part of it. You've got the mental confidence part of it. Uh, maybe Silas plays a particular style that is meant for counterattacking as opposed to ball possession or bunkering down or whatever. But I'm really happy that he was able to get a goal at the very end of the season. Hopefully that's a launch pad for him. Um, and if he's a guy that's coming off the bench, because it seems like Koulibaly isn't going to be in the future, that's a great guy to bring in for 30 minutes and to use a word you love to say chaos that mm -hmm. last 30, 40 minutes of the match. So hats off to Silas. Totally. He's a phenomenal um, asset to have in that role. And with his speed, um, and he's got some ball handling chops. So even if he's 90% of the speed that he was, that's a great asset to have for the last 30 minutes of the game when a defense is tiring. Mm -hmm. All right. So we got the, the last. So the match ends 3 1. Stugart ends up winning on aggregate 6 to 1. We make it up there. I, I'm, we're keeping this all positive. There was some blowback from some people who say that the German system is broken, that you can't have it a system like this to where you have the first division team get rewarded for being lousy by playing the second division team. And there's plenty of arguments. And we mentioned this a little bit last week, but I'm going to keep it like Stuttgart positive today. Yes, there is a disparity between Bundesliga two and Bundesliga talent, but we mentioned this last week that most of the matches in this relegation playoff have been close. This result is the outlier, a six to one result you don't see that. At least I haven't seen it in the last like five, six, seven years. So I get why some people don't think it's fair. I get that. 
as a Stuart supporter this particular year, I think it's totally fair. Those are the rules. That's the way it's played. We are, were the one team in the last decade that went down because of these rules. So I'm a little bit biased. I get it. I understand there's probably different ways to do it. I don't necessarily know if those are better ways to do it. But listen, these were the rules this year. If Hamburg would have gotten a second goal at the 47-minute mark, this whole game is different, and this whole series is different. So I don't know if you have any final thoughts on this. We touched on it last week, but it is what it is. I don't think it's that bad. I, we've been on the winning and losing side of this. When Union beat us, they were the better team. They deserved to go up. Um, this year, I think we were the better team than Hamburg, pretty clearly, and we deserve to stay up. And if you're a Hamburg fan, would you feel worse about losing to a Bundesliga team and staying in the second division or worse about the um, fifth place, let's say, team that did had a worse season beating you on a fluky goal in the last minute to keep you from going up? Mm-hmm. So I, I think the more I think about this, uh, the more I'm on board with the German system. And it's fun and it's drama and this time it didn't hurt us. So I don't hate it. Yeah. I think 50 plus donor, you mentioned earlier, Rob, a really good point. If you're going to keep the system, maybe you get away with from the home and away and you just do the away to the second division mm-hmm. team. It's a one game uh, playoff and it's in their house. So they have the home field advantage and, and that's how you make up the difference. I, I can see that argument being, being pretty fair, but this system is the system, and it, the fact is we are in the Bundesliga. So, Matt, let's get some final thoughts and let that sink in. So the Bundesliga starts up the weekend of August 18th. Guess what, Matt? That's when we're going to start up the weekend of August 18th because this Vital League starts July 28th. Um, I just want everybody to realize our season starts the third week of August. We don't have to worry about July. We don't have to worry about getting signings right away. We don't have to worry about getting Valpe TV, which I'm sure is fantastic. We <laughs> sleep in for a couple hours because the matches will be on at 9.30 Eastern, you know, standard time. Uh, everybody, listen, we're in the Bundesliga. I, this is fantastic. That third week of August still seems really close. Like, <laughs> it doesn't seem like much of an off season, but Yes, I am thrilled to not be setting an alarm on a Saturday or Sunday morning to get up at 6 a.m. to watch a 6.30 start. I'm thrilled that we will still be playing in the first division. And when people ask me what my weird shirt is about, I don't have to go, oh, it's a second division. You haven't. No, we don't play Bayern Munich. No, we don't play Leipzig. No, we don't play Wolfsburg. It's a, it's a thing. Um you know, a little less explanation, a um, little more pride in knowing that we managed to stay up. But really, I just I think had we gone down, that could have been a huge setback financially, especially mm-hmm. with all the other financial challenges this team is facing right now. Okay. And it we could have been down. We could have been Hamburg, right, and be down for several years in a row because the bounce back would have been much less likely, especially looking at how strong the Zweite Liga is looking at being this coming year. Yeah, and I think people like me have this over um, optimistic view of this Vita Liga and getting out of there because the two times in the last decade that we've been down there, we immediately bounced back up. But if you looked at the clubs that are in this Vita Liga right now, it is a murderer's row of teams. And just to survive, and it's funny, uh, Jeff, who is on the podcast frequently said, this Vita Liga might be actually harder 
to get out of than the Bundesliga is harder to get out of in terms of the number of quality teams in that league versus you've no offense, but you got the Bochums, you've got now Heidenheim, you've got Darmstadt, uh, Augsburg, Stuttgart, Cologne are probably going to be rated in that bottom third there. But then you look at this Vita Liga and there's just, boy, they, a bunch of tough clubs there. So I'm so happy that we were able to pull this through. We have plenty of issues. Absolutely. But let's just take a moment to celebrate that. So I kind of want to final thought juxtapose these two thoughts. So I got Sebastian Honus and one of my favorite players, Valdi Anton. So here's what Sebastian said. Quote, I'm really happy and really proud of the boys. I have to admit that there is a certain emptiness, though, because there was so much pressure on it. And you realize that it's over now. End quote. I, I kind of agree with his statement. Totally. If anybody's listening to this, you can tell that Matt and I are having a hard time getting jacked up for this because like we mentioned when we started, this is much more relief than it is celebration. When the game was over, Matt, I don't know about you, but I wanted to fist pump and I wanted to high five and I wanted to do what I did last year, mm-hmm. but it was more, I'm just going to sit on my couch. I'm going to have a huge sigh of relief and just breathe easy. I, it was just such a different feeling than last year at, no, I think last year it was that that last second goal for success and we got safe and we don't have to go to the relegation playoffs and yay, hooray, we did it. And this year it felt more like, who we didn't fail. <laughs> and that's like, you're, you're celebrating, for lack of a better term, the fact that you didn't fail mm. and that you didn't suck so bad that a <laughs> team a division down beat you over two games mm-hmm. like this relief is 100 the right word and that's 100 how i felt when this game ended yesterday i just kind of slumped in my chair and the tension drained out of my shoulders for the first time in over a week <laughs> it's like okay mm-hmm. it's gonna be all right It's going to be okay, as Jeff often tells us. It's (laughs) funny because I wore red at school with my jersey, and they wore red at home. And I I will admit that as soon as halftime came about, I went upstairs, and I changed back into my Legendo kit, the gray one from uh, last year, because I was like, this is my good luck kit. I'm sorry, everybody else is wearing red. I got to go with what I got to go with here. And I'm going to end, though, with, with what Anton said. Quote, it was a turbulent season, many changes, many decisions that were perhaps not so good. In the end, we made it. That was a goal, and I think that is something to celebrate, end quote. So that's almost the opposite end of this. And I agree again with what Valdi's saying is that, yeah, this was a lousy season. We were competing for last place. Let's let's face it. That's basically what we were doing. But last place still gets you on the podium <laughs> in terms of the Bundesliga. So – I understand why a lot of people are being critical of upper management, of the players, of the future. But like Anton said, why not just take a moment? Like Ted Lasso, the famous quote, uh, be a goldfish for a second. Mm-hmm. Just appreciate the moment and appreciate the now. And and that's what I'm trying to do You know, over the next few days is just appreciate the fact that we did what we set out to do which was survive because at the end of the day, nobody's going to care whether we finished 12th or 16th next year. We're in the Buddhist. This, this is like celebrating your 35th birthday versus celebrating your 21st, right? <laughs> We're not going out in a blaze of glory 
and pounding beers with the guys at the bar. We're having a nice dinner with some friends and family and just enjoying a quiet evening. And that's okay. We can be 35 this year. That's fine. Yeah, it's it's and this kind of segues us into the the final part of this. And we're gonna wrap it up here. We had you know some questions and comments. I'm gonna kind of sum these up. But David said, you know, this was kind of apropos of the whole season, you know, ending this way. You're hoping next year we can move up higher on the table. Uh Tim, Shumi fan 75 wrote, you know, we had a little bit of luck, but we took advantage of the opportunities that were there. Uh Ted wrote that, you know, Borna Sosa made a comment about he he loves Stuttgart, even though there's some rumors that he might not be coming back. And I think those are all great segues for next season. And for what we're going to talk about in our next episode, um, we usually record on Sunday and we try to post on Monday. This is a, <laughs> this is a Tuesday. We're both exhausted, but we're, we thought, you know, let's just get it out. It, you know, while the, the kind of revelry is still there as it is, but there's a lot of things that we do have to, figure out as we as we move forward and before we wrap this up um, i'm gonna ask you two questions is is one what are your final thoughts on the season what do you think we need to do going forward and then any thanks that you've got for you know anybody that's out there so those are exactly two things i think (laughs) (laughs) those are at least two things um Final thought on the season is just big sigh of relief, as we've been saying. It's it's great. We made it. Um, it was a huge emotional roller coaster, and honestly, I'm glad it's over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> th- thoughts for next season? Uh, we're definitely going to lose some guys. I think Sosa's probably going to go, and I don't begrudge him that. His uh, his market stock is super high right now. He's probably got an opportunity to go to a really big club and get some European time, um, Champions League or Europa League, to raise his status with his national team, um, which he was finally breaking through on. Um, I don't blame him at all. I hope we can get a nice payday for it, and I hope he goes someplace where he's appreciated and he can be successful. Um, and other than then that I don't know who will lose for sure because I don't know who we have that's high profile enough. So I don't know. I'm I'm not worrying about it to be honest with you. We'll, <laughs> we'll worry about that later. Uh, and who I'm thankful for and what I'm thankful for is really the OFC stuff this season has been so much fun, and it's been so cool hearing from and connecting with so many of the people and getting this fan club off the ground, which you did 99% of the work on. So kudos to you, sir. Um, It's just been, it's been cool. And it's been neat to see that something that we feel so passionate about that other people around this country feel passionate about as well. And then getting to connect with some of the fans in Germany as well, which uh, I mean, we've had our buddy uh, Martin panic who we've been pals with for a while, but we haven't had a lot of interaction than that with the local German fans. So that, that's been really cool. It's been a rewarding season in a lot of ways from a fan interaction standpoint for us. Uh, and that kind of kept me going through some of the dark <laughs> Bruno Labadia days. So I think next year will be a lot more fun when the team is better and we're more stable and successful. And the, the OFC Discord can be bumping. And that'll be great. And I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, I, I think you nailed just so many great points there, especially the part where you thank me for doing all the work. I thought that was obviously, <laughs> obviously the, the biggest point there. Uh, I would, in terms of my final thoughts on the season, it, it, I can't echo you enough. It's just relief. Like last year was celebratory, and we all had hope that that was going to be the launching pad going forward. And it turned out, sadly, not to be the case. This is just relief because nobody knows exactly what the future is going to hold, you know, with this club and upper management and and all that stuff. So huge sigh of relief. I 100% agree with you. It's been an emotional roller coaster in, in a lot of ways because I think the club represents so much to so many people. And this season started really kind of interesting because at the beginning of the season, Austin and my father passed away right before the OFC got going and then Val Faye was coming to Texas. And so for Austin, Jeff, and myself, this became kind of an emotional escape for us. And the mm -hmm. OFC and the Discord group and the Reddit group and the Twitter group, who Twitter's a dark place, I get it. But for the most part, the Val Faye supporters on either side of the aisle, I think are genuinely good people. And I, I don't yeah. think there's a lot of just like people you can sit down in a pub and be like, hey, let's talk. Oh, you think that? Okay, I think this. And so that really helped me get through the fall. And then the OFC, like you mentioned, I'm thankful for them because there's we are up to about 83 members, which is small. But I, the Texas group already has their own chapter, which is awesome. So Josh, mm -hmm. Jen's down there. Kudos to those guys. They've got something going. That's what Doug and I in Ohio are hoping to get going is a Cleveland chapter. Um and just having like-minded folks that you can chat with, that you can celebrate with, that you can whine you know, with about <laughs> what's happening. Uh, we have a lot of ideas going forward in terms of ridiculous merchandise, trying to improve the games and fantasy Bundesliga that we're doing, um, that Doug's doing a great job with. Um, so the, I echo your comments about the OFC as well. And you know, finally, just the people that listen to this ridiculousness, um, you and I struggled to figure out a way to comment on to today about the match because it's we're at least we're not the Schalke guys, right? Who do a right. fantastic job. They're doing a season review about a team that's going into the Zweite Liga. I just, I feel like this is super somber, but I don't know how else to approach it, but I love chatting about this club. I so much enjoy you and I going back and forth. I love the feedback we get that we're willing to stay up late exhausted on a Tuesday night while our wives are taking care of the kids off in the corner <laughs> of the house um, just to chat about the last place club in the first division. And that's because of all the people that are listening to this ridiculousness, the people in the OFC and all that stuff. So in terms of thanks, there's not enough thanks to go around to, to everybody. So all you guys out there who are listening, all you guys out there that are listening, thanks for uh, you know putting up with this nonsense what we're hoping to do in our next episode is have some of you guys on with us to kind of give your thoughts. Uh, we did that once before, so we're thinking about trying to do that again. Uh, Matt and I are going to try and have a couple of people on and kind of break down the, the season, do some season grades, some season uh, report cards, uh, maybe some MVPs and stuff like that. I have this dream of us sending an OFC award over to Germany, to Stuttgart, <laughs> whoever gets it. To hold up like I don't know, like a ham or something like that. <laughs> the OFC Player of the Year. I, how about a How about a bowling trophy? Oh yes, something classically. It'd be so confusing. <laughs> Here's your baseball. Congratulations. 
<laughs> Rossi. So we've got some ideas on that kind of stuff, but uh, we're looking forward to in the next week or two, putting together kind of a lengthy season review and kind of what we think might happen uh, going forward episode. So that's a long way for me to say thanks to everybody who listened. Uh, thanks to everybody who's been part of the show. Um, thanks, Matt, to you. It sounds like we're canceling the, the program, doesn't it? <laughs> it does sound like a final episode. It's not. Like, we're sorry, but it's not. Um, I know. We apologize. <laughs> we're going to keep this train going. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, Matt, you got any final thoughts? Because I think, uh, well, I think we're done. I need to go to bed. <laughs> That's my final thought. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back in touch in a couple of weeks, whether you like it or not.